Well, good morning again, church family. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, Nathan. Once again, a wonderful job. Can we just give it up for them? I'm so inspired. Come on. Let's go. Well, last week, I was driving on Rosemead Boulevard, uh, close to the 10 freeway, and I was stopped at a signal light. And I saw the UFC gym building. And it made me sad. Do you guys know why? Not because necessarily the gym's closed. Because it reminded me of Toys R Us. Do you guys remember? Toys R Us used to be on Rosie Boulevard and a 10 freeway. And growing up, man, I wasn't a believer. So growing up, being a heathen boy, that was heaven for me. And for the younger generation, junior, imagine Target but just filled with all toys, right? I used to buy my baseball cards from Toys R Us, uh, video games like NBA Jam and Street Fighter II. Um, my parents bought me my first bike at Toys R Us. Amy and I actually bought Jordan's first bike from Toys R Us as well. So we have a lot of memories. And at one point, Toys R Us was unstoppable, they had over 1,500 stores. They uh, generated over $12 billion of revenue a year just selling toys. And if you were to ask me five years ago, do you ever think that Toys R Us would close? I would have told you, man, you are crazy. No way. Then what happened? It starts with the A. Amazon happened, and it basically shut down Toys R Us. And in 2018, Toys R Us closed their doors for good. So my question this morning, if something so secure and unstoppable like Toys R Us can fail, can the church fail as well? Right? Think about it. Millions of our brothers and sisters throughout the country are not able to worship because of COVID-19. And this morning, we're going to take a look at a passage from Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 32. And as we look into the persecution from the early church, we learn a lesson. This is the truth. You guys ready? That the faithful church will not fail because Jesus will not fail. The faithful church will not fail because Jesus will not fail. Amen? Can I get an amen from the Facebook world too? Do you guys believe that? Well, if you don't believe that, Jesus told us specifically. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he tells us, And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, Jesus' church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Jesus is not talking about any building with a cross or any website that says church on it. He's talking about a faithful church. He's talking about a biblical church. Because God does the will of his word, which comes from the Bible. A faithful church is unstoppable. 
And going back to Toys R Us, I can't think, I can't think about Toys R Us without thinking about their song. Do you guys remember that song? I don't want to grow up because I'm a Toys R Us kid. So we're going to play a video right now to kind of bring back some of those memories. That was a song back in the 80s. Did you guys see Steve Urkel too? He was pedaling away. That was Steve Urkel. I think Jamal White is his name. But a remix came into my mind last week. How many of us don't want to grow up spiritually because you want to be a Toys R Us Christian? And some of you might be asking, whoa, what's a Toys R Us Christian? I think it's somebody that would say, I don't want to grow up because I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to grow up because I don't want to pray to God. I don't want to grow up because I don't want to share the gospel to my coworkers because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to grow up because I don't want to repent for my sins because I like my sins. I don't want to grow up because I don't want to forgive this person. And out of love, if that's you this morning... You need to examine your heart. You're not being faithful to the Lord. Luke chapter 6 verse 46 tells us, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? John 14, 15, Jesus tells us, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So do you love Christ? Do you love Christ? Is Jesus your Lord? And Savior, if your answer is yes, let's go. Let's be the faithful church. Are you guys ready to be the faithful church? Today I'm thinking more than ever, as a church, we need to step up and be faithful. If there was a time to be faithful, it is now. Think about it. We're in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. We can't even meet together as a church. You have racial issues throughout the country. There's tension with law enforcement. And also society is affirming the LGBTQ movement. And I believe when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, we lived in more of a biblical affirming society. And I look at my son Jordan, who's 11, and I feel bad for him because he's growing up in a different world from the world that I grew up in. So right now, I believe God is calling us to be the faithful church. And he's also reminding us to not be the Toys R Us church. In today's passage, God is going to highlight four essentials for a faithful church. Number one is the purity of the church. Number two is the purpose of the church. And number three, the commitment to the gospel. And number four, obedience to God. 
So for the first essential, the purity of the church, please turn with me to Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. Verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. The apostles were doing some amazing things, right? Signs and wonders. They're physically healing people and performing exorcisms in Solomon's portico. Solomon's portico was on the east side of the Temple of the Mount in Jerusalem. And as Pastor Dave shared in his wonderful sermon last week, that God essentially killed Ananias and Sapphira for misleading the church. That God took matters in his own hands to purify the church. Once again, verse 13 tells us, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. The people were actually scared of the church, but yet held them in high regards. They respected them because they saw the power of the Holy Spirit at work in that church. God purified the church. And I believe now God is calling us to purify the church. This is foundational to the church. A church that will reach the world and prevail needs to be pure. It must be a church that deals with sin. Sin blocks the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. Sin separates our relationship with God. God has given us actually a a process on how to purify the church called church discipline. But sadly, church discipline is being ignored in many of our churches. Many churches today believe that loving people and building self-esteem means tolerating sin. We get so caught up in making people feel comfortable that we forget that church is a place of restoration. For that to be done, church discipline must take place. The most loving thing that we can do for others is to restore them back to Christ. Not just to have a good time. That's the most loving thing you could do is to restore people to Christ. Amy and I, at times, would have to discipline Jordan Because we love him. Sometimes we have to correct his actions. Because we know what's best for him. And in the same way, God wants us us to restore his children. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, he tells us, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. God is concerned for the holiness of his people. We should be equally concerned. The church cannot preach a message it does not live out. We must have integrity before God and before the world. 1 Peter 1.16 tells us, You shall be holy, for I, God, am holy. So Jesus gives us step-by-step directions on church discipline. From Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. And remember, Jesus is telling us the motive behind 
church discipline is love. If you look at the passage before, in Matthew 18, 10 through 14, it's about the shepherd doing what? Leaving the 99 for that one. Because each sheep is important to Christ. He wants to bring them back to the flock with him. So this is out of love. So Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. I understand not every believer is given a gift of preaching or teaching or helps, but every believer is given the command to go and reprove a brother or sister who is sinning in private. Verse 16 tells us, But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If this person does not repent, you bring one or two other people to confirm that the sin was committed. Also to confirm that the sinner was properly rebuked. Verse 17 tells us, If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And this is the third step. If this person refuses to repent, God is calling us to remove this person from the fellowship of the church until that person repents. Verse 18, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Christ is commanding us to practice church discipline because he loves us. But also he's telling us when we administer church discipline, we're not doing it alone, that he is with us. And when I think about someone that takes church discipline seriously, and I look up to this pastor, is Pastor John MacArthur, He's been faithfully pastoring his church for over 50 years at Grace Community Church. And when he first started in 1969, he told the elders, we need to practice church discipline. But the elders told him, no, 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 Pastor John, you can't do that. You're going to lose all your members. Which makes sense mentally, right? But Pastor John said, we have to be faithful to the Lord. And sure enough, people left. But guess what happened? The faithful church members stayed. And also from the outside, people that were serious about being faithful to the word of God came. And right now, I don't know if Pastor John wants to call this church a mega church, but they have thousands of members at the church now. And Grace Community is one of the most, I think, influential and impactful churches in L.A. and throughout the world 
So church discipline is critical in keeping the church pure and faithful to Christ. The second essential is the purpose of the church. So let's go to Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least a shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. So right now, the church is leading thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. And let me put this in context, right? Verse 14 says, more than ever. In Acts 2.41, the church led 3,000. Acts 4.4, 5,000. So the church is blowing up right now. They're leading people to the Lord. The church is blowing up so much that they can't even carry the sick people up to the temple. There's so many people. So that's why they place cots on the road hoping to get a glimpse or even a shadow of the apostles walking by. So God allowed the apostles to do some incredible things. But the early church, check this out, was not just content in performing signs and wonders. They did not lose their purpose. Their purpose. Verse 14 again. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Remember what Jesus told the disciples before he ascended to heaven? What is that? The Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I was thinking about our church recently, and I'm sure most of you would agree that our church is blessed. We're doing some amazing things. We have our own campus. We just completed uh, the kids and youth ministry areas uh, remodel-wise. We're working on a shading project right now in the courtyard. Our kids' ministry is, is thriving, is growing. Uh, we have Boy Scouts here. We have a great uh, senior ministry. Uh, we have sports ministries. Those things are all good. But these things are not our goal. They are means to an end. Our goal is to lead people to Christ and to make disciples. Amen? That's our purpose. And Mission Valley, are we doing that? This might, these questions might hit you in the heart, your koro zone, or kokoro, right? And this is out of love. It's out of love. When's the last time you invited someone to church or asked them to stream with us? When's the last time you shared the gospel to anyone? And are you currently discipling a person? Because it's clear from the Great Commission. The Lord has given us 
clear instructions right before he went to heaven. And during this whole COVID-19 season, I'm encouraged, church family. I'm extremely encouraged. During this time, we shared before, maybe Pastor Dave last week, that five people were led to the Lord. Can you believe it? Five people. And we haven't been meeting in the past four months. Human logic will tell, tell us that it won't work. Five people. And in our life groups, we have 12 more people joining our life groups. And most of them, check this out, weren't even coming to our church before this whole COVID situation. And we also birthed a new life group. And even with all these barriers, I praise God that Mission Valley hasn't lost our purpose in why we exist. Amen? Can I get a big amen out there too? In the internet world out there. Number three. Number three. The commitment to the gospel. That's the third essential in this passage. Verse 17. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is, the party of Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. You notice a capital L. That's the life in Christ. That's the gospel. Verse 21. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Wow. Wow. All these signs and miracles that the apostles were doing made the Sadducees uncomfortable. The passage tells us their hearts were filled with jealousy. And the apostles' popularity was affecting the Sadducees' power. And the Sadducees were elite Jews that oversaw Jerusalem and the temple. So they had a lot of power and influence. And if you remember in chapter 4, they they go after who? They go after the apostle John and the apostle Peter. Now they're going all out. They're going for the leadership. right? It said all the apostles were arrested. But the apostles were committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then an amazing thing happened. An angel appeared. How cool is that? And I think the Lord has a sense of humor. You know why? As I was studying this passage, I learned that Sadducees didn't believe in angels. And it said that angels saved the apostles. Isn't that cool? And they were released. And then what happened? The angel told them, go back to where you got arrested. And when I read that, I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? I might have said, you know, to be honest with you, like, okay, thank you, thank you. Um, but let me go home and maybe pray about it. And then I'll make a decision later, right? Or I was thinking, did I even go home and take a nap and freshen up before? But we know that the word is telling us they obeyed God 
and were there before anyone woke up at daybreak preaching the gospel. They were committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, suffering for the early church did not shake them from their commitment to the gospel. And I think today we have an issue with commitment. And and I know not everybody, but that's why I think people are getting married later in the age as well too. Because nobody wants to get tied down. We're seeing people leaving their jobs more than ever. Not even jobs, careers, right? Or even like Christians, people that profess Christ, they're coming to church less often than before. So if you do not fully commit to something, you get distracted because you're always looking for something better. You tend to give up when things get difficult. You end up cheating yourself out of the great joy and benefits of commitment. In a marriage, if you're not committed, you're going to be distracted. Amen, guys and gals. Right? You're going to get distracted. I got, sorry, I got some thumbs up in here. So I'm smirking a little bit. Because you're going to be looking around. Maybe there's someone else that will make me happier. And marriage is extremely tough. I can't speak on behalf of Amy right now. You can ask her later. But for me, it's one of the greatest blessings in my life. And I praise God that she's my wife every day. But I would have missed out on that blessing if I didn't make that commitment, right? In church family, it's the same way with us and our commitment to the gospel. We need to be fully committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ to fully experience the joy and the plans that God has for us. Don't cheat yourself out of God's plans. God desires for you to be committed to him. And you can start right now. I know we talked about it weeks prior, but we started a new text messaging system. And um, we're going to show a slide later with a number. But right now you can write it down, paper and pen. So our church's phone number, 626-285-6788. And perhaps maybe you've been streaming with us a couple times or it's your first time. Take that first step of commitment. Type in the word connect and we'll love to follow up with you. Or maybe you've been thinking about accepting Christ for the first time as your Lord and Savior. Type in the word Jesus and we'll have a pastor follow up with you. Or perhaps you raised your hand at youth camp one day but you've never been baptized. Make that commitment. Type in in the word baptism. And I know, to be honest, there's a lot of you in our church family that considers Mission Valley your home. You've been baptized. What's holding you back from being a member and telling the church body, I'm committed to Mission Valley. This is my home. I'm going to do everything I can to glorify God and further his kingdom here at Mission Valley. Type in the word member. And we'll have one of the pastors follow up with you. And once again, commitment has been a game changer in my life. If I didn't make certain commitments, I would have missed out on the blessing of marrying Amy. 
I would have missed out on the blessing of accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when I became a church member here, it grew me spiritually. I would have missed out on those blessings. So let's not be afraid of commitments. Amen? The fourth essential is obedience to God. Verse 21 tells us, Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council. All the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Verse 22. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison security locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed or confused about them, wondering what this would come to. Verse 25, And someone came and told them, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Not smoking, but with rocks. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they sent them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Do not teach Christ. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, the gospel spreading, and you intend, intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, this is so awesome. We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. You crucified Christ. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we're going to end with verse 32. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. God has given us the Holy Spirit. And that's an incredible scene, right? Just picture the officer going to the prison and it's empty. And these guys are perplexed or confused. And once again, if you remember um, in this passage, the religious leaders were filled with jealousy. That's why they're blinded. They couldn't see that it was a divine moment by God. And the apostles were not hiding in fear. They were living with courageous obedience to God. They were back at the temple preaching Christ. And they're arrested and confronted again. And I love Peter's response, right? We must obey God rather than men. Obedience to God is the key to a faithful and unstoppable church. Even with a little disobedience, I believe can really lead to a slippery slope and can lead us a long ways from God. 
And about a year ago, Kiki and I were just talking about this. <laughs> and I think she, she knows that I love Skittles. And she had some leftover Skittles from, uh, from Father's Day. And uh, she actually had a three and a half pound bags of Skittles. And she asked me, Mako, do you want this bag? And at the time, I was trying to watch what I was eating. I thought about two options. Either to tell her, stand behind me, Satan, or thank you very much. I took the second option. Thank you very much. And guess what happened? Later on in the afternoon, my stomach started to rumble. I'm like, ah, you know what? I'll just eat a little bit of Skittles. No harm, right? I had a little bit, and that little bit became a handful. And in three days, I ate three and a half pounds of Skittles. I was disgusted. And I looked back, I was like, how did this happen? And it started off with one Skittle. And it's the same way with disobedience in our lives. You start asking, how did I wind up here? If we're not committed to obedience, we will wander off course. We need to be obedient to God's word. So how do we do that? Right? I'm sure, almost, I hope, everybody that loves the Lord would say, yes, we need to be obedient to God, right? That's a no-brainer. And this is not a new concept I'm sharing with you guys, right? Or is this a foreign concept? No, no, it's not, right? We know that we need to obey God, but how do we do it practically? Verse 32 says, and we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The answer is, we do it through the Holy Spirit. Not our own willpower, but we do it through the Holy Spirit. First point I want to mention regarding obeying God through the Holy Spirit is, more prayer than preparation. More prayer than preparation. How do you guys respond when you know that you're going to have a busy week at work or you're going through a tough, tough day? How do you guys respond? Are you guys preparing more? And just saying, man, I'm just grind it out. I'm just going to tough it out. I'm going to come on and just get it done. Or are we saying, you know what? I need to set more time for prayer. And I think if we're honest, most of us will say, you know what? Prayer is the first thing to go. I'm just going to prepare more. If we're honest, right? And I love what, what Martin Luther, he was a Protestant a reformer in the 1500s, a busy guy. I mean, he shaped our church to what it is today, important person in our church's history. And he says, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Wow. This guy is a busy guy. He changed the history of the church. Right? At Talbot, we just, we just keep talking about this guy. I'm sure he, was, you know, he did a lot of great things and he's busy. But he's saying that, I'm so busy, I need to pray more. That's opposite from human logic. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 tells us, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. That's God's will. That is God's will. This isn't in my notes, but if you guys want to be better in prayer, 
Join us Thursday nights at 6 p.m. for prayer meeting, right? God is telling us, pray without ceasing. What better way than to pray with your brothers and sisters every Thursday at 6 o'clock where we can pray for one another and pray together as a church body. And once again, I believe that God is not protecting and sustaining and blessing our church by accident. I believe a big part of it is your faithful brothers and sisters that log in to Zoom and pray for the church body. It's not by accident. Prayer makes a big difference. Second point I want to highlight, strengths. Strength comes from Scripture and not from our own strength. Strength comes from Scripture and not from our own strength. Are we relying on our own abilities to overcome sin? Or are we receiving our strength from the Word, the Bible? The Holy Spirit wants us to walk in obedience. And the main way that God reveals His will to us is through His Word. It's not just through meditation. You're like, wow, I think God told me this. It's through his word. It's not through your emotion after listening to a song. It's through his word. The most secure way for you to know that God's speaking to you is your Bible. Okay? Just to be honest. I know that God's capable of speaking to you in other ways. But the surest way that you know this is God's will is through his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Can I get an amen? I love that verse. When we're not in the Bible, we are not doing it with the Holy Spirit. That's important. When, when, when you're not in the Word, you're not doing it with the Holy Spirit. You're doing it on your own. Third point, godly community is critical. Godly community is critical. Are you trying to live your life on your own? Or are you surrounding yourself with a godly community that's supporting you and that's praying for you, that's encouraging you to move towards Christ? That's encouraging you to obey God. And think of it this way. Close close your eyes, maybe. It might help. Imagine if you have to go to the gym 5.30 in the morning tomorrow. And if you go alone, guess what? That snooze button, uh, 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 sound from your iPhone, sounds very enticing, right? But what if, what if, you have a workout partner that's waiting for you at the gym at 5.30. Yes, I know that, that, that alarm's going to be enticing, but you're going to have more incentive to get that workout done because you have somebody there that's holding you accountable and that's encouraging you. You guys can open up your eyes too. And it's the same way in our walk of obedience to God. You can't live an obedience life on your own. You need community. That's why it's important to be in a life group. From the bottom of my heart, that's why it's important to be in a life group. You, might, you may say, oh, I have friends. Are they godly friends? 
So they might give you ungodly advice. Or if you sin, they might say, well, it's okay. The world's okay with it. So my encouragement, my plea is if you're not in a life group, once again, text our church the word community and we'll follow up with you. And it's not just my idea. It comes from the word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So are you relying on your own powers? Or are you using the things that God has given us? Prayer, his word, and godly community for us to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And later on, it gets worse for the apostles. They get even persecuted harder. But what happens? They continue to stay faithful. And without them, I would not be standing here in front of you. Without them, we would not be live streaming. Because of their faithfulness, because they were a faithful church, we are here today. Amen? And again, I always trip out when I see the banners. God has been so faithful to us. It says 1919, that's when our church started. And I went to Japan last year, and I was shocked to find out that there was only 1% of the Japanese people that are Christians. Imagine 1919. God convicted some missionaries 100 years ago to minister to the Japanese-American community. First generation Isseis. They met at the port of Los Angeles. They had humble beginnings. They couldn't afford a church. But God was faithful to them. And then in the 40s, our church members were incarcerated because they were Japanese-American. But yet God sustained and protected our church. And in the late 70s, four days after the church was remodeled in East L.A., an arsonist set the church on fire. But yet God was still faithful and brought us here at Mission Valley. And church family, I want to remind you too that we are in the midst of something that God is doing great right now. God has been sustaining our church financially. He's been protecting our church. Nobody from our church family has COVID-19. That's incredible. Praise God. And he's been blessing us spiritually. As I mentioned, five people accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. We have 12 new people in life groups. And we're not letting this COVID-19 stop us from honoring mothers on Mother's Day, Father's Day. We celebrate Easter of Christ being rose from the grave. And then also, I'm fired up because we're not letting COVID-19 stop us from having VBS this year. And that's because of God's faithfulness. And when I was prepping this message, I couldn't 
stop thinking about you guys. And I was telling Amy that I, I don't want to cry, but I might cry. Just give you a heads up. But I want to thank you, Mission Valley, for your faithfulness. Nine years ago, you took in and embraced a Toys R Us Christian. I'm talking about myself. And you guys have blessed me, my family, Amy, Jordan. I was baptized here. And it's so crazy because when I went on Facebook, um, it reminded me today is my seven year anniversary of being baptized. This is from this morning with Pastor Stan uh, baptizing me with my brother and Pastor Dave was there as well too. And Amy was baptized here, Jordan and my dad. So church family, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for your faithfulness. You have really, really impacted our lives. So once again, I'm going to finish with this statement. The church will not fail because Christ will not fail. The faithful church will not fail because Jesus will not fail. Amen? So let's go over the weekly challenge for this week. Every day, I want you to read Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 32. If you want to get fired up for the gospel, this is the passage. And also every day, pray for our church's faithfulness. Please, for the church's purity, for our purpose, our commitment to the gospel, and our obedience to God. And also pray for your own faithfulness to Christ. And finally, once again, as promised, we, we have the text messaging numbers again. 626-285-6788. And if you've been streaming with us, take your first step of commitment by texting the word CONNECT. If you want to receive Jesus Christ into your life, type in the word Jesus. If you've never been baptized, type in the word baptism. And that's critical. Baptism is critical. We went over the Great Commission. Christ specifically tells all believers that we need to get baptized. Or maybe you want to do more for the church and serve. Type in the word serve. And once again, to be honest with you, I know there's many of you out there that consider Mission Valley your home. My question to you this morning is, why not become a member? Why not tell our church body, you are my family, that I'm going to do everything I can to glorify God and further God's kingdom here. So pray about that if that's you. And once again, I want to remind you on the importance of a life group. You can't live a faithful and godly life alone. You need community. So please join me in prayer. (laughs) 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. May you continue to use our church for your glory. May we continue to stay faithful in pursuing purity, to stay focused on our purpose, to save the lost, and to make disciples. For us to be committed to the gospel, and for us to give our total, total obedience to you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to guide us and to give us strength to be a faithful church. We know that you are a trustworthy God because of your son Jesus. You sent him to die for our sins so that we can be saved. And he rose him from the grave because he is God. You're so faithful. You're so good. I pray for this church body that we will continue to be faithful to you. And once again, I'm reminded of these banners. You've been faithful to us for the past 100 years. And we have the great blessing to call Mission Valley our family and our home. So Father God, help us, help us to be faithful so that we can continue to be a church for the next 100 years and beyond. So Father God, once again, we thank you so much for who you are. We love you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.